Is there objective evidence that God exists? Can we know God personally? Does God exist? This week on Creation Magazine Live. The Bible really is true, and it's supported by science and the things we see in the world around us. Keep listening to find out how. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. My name's Richard Fangrad. And I'm Matt Bondi. Now this week on Creation Magazine Live, our topic is, Does God Exist? Yes, uh, that's a really basic question, isn't it? Is. it? But it really forms the starting point for all truth. Mm-hmm. You know, Proverbs 1.7 reveals that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if you want to be smart about things that really matter, like the purpose of life, for example, yeah. uh, that knowledge begins with a reverential awe or submissive fear of God. That's right, yeah. The fear of the Lord is a state of mind in which your attitudes, your will, your feelings, your deeds and goals are exchanged for God's. But before that can ever get going in your life, you have to realize that God exists, right? As, as it says in Hebrews eleven six. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible begins with the statement, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God's existence is assumed to be self-evident. Right. Uh, but what about the opposite of that? Well, in Psalms 14.1, we're told that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They acted corruptly. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. Now, here we see that the Bible connects corrupt thoughts about God, especially denying his very existence, with corrupt morals. And that makes sense. If there's no God, there's no creator to set the rules, then then we're set adrift morally. Uh, When the children of Israel, for example, forgot their creator in the times of the judges, when they had no one leading them in being faithful to God, what happened? Every man did that which was right in his own eyes, as we read in Judges 21, and chaos reigned. Right. You know, and we see the same thing happening today. Uh, countries where the people once honored God, recognizing that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.19, um, those countries experience unprecedented security and prosperity. Right. But those same countries today are crumbling as people turn their backs on God. You know, Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness lifts up a nation, but sin is a shame to any people. Yeah, as nations turn their backs on God living as, as though he doesn't exist, sin abounds. There's, there's political corruption, there's lying, there's slander, there's public displays of, of debauchery, there's violent crime is on the increase, abortion, theft, adultery, drugs, drunkenness, gambling, greed of all kinds, and then economic pressures follow as taxes increase and governments borrow more money to pay for bigger and bigger police forces and jails and social security system to try to patch up the problems. Mm-hmm. You know, underpinning this abandonment and faith in God is the widespread acceptance of evolutionary thinking. Right. Yeah. You know, that everything made itself by natural processes and that God is not necessary. Mm-hmm. Now, those who hold this view will often admit there is design, but they insist that there's no designer. Uh, they argue that the design thing designed itself. Yeah, right. And this thinking where, where the plain-as-day evidence for God's existence is explained away, it naturally leads to atheism, which is a belief that God doesn't exist, and secular humanism, which is a belief that man can chart his own course without God. And this type of thinking is popular in universities today and in governments as well. Yes, some of the greatest evil ever seen has been committed by those who've adopted an evolutionary approach to morality. Yeah. Lenin, Hitler, Stalin, uh, Mao Zedong, 
Pol Pot, there's just a few. You know, the atheistic evolutionist Sir Arthur Keith recognized the connection between atheism, evolution, and morality. Commenting uh, on Hitler, he wrote that the German Fuhrer is an evolutionist. He has consciously sought to make the practice of Germany conform to the theory of evolution. Yeah, many millions have suffered terribly and lost lives because of this atheistic way of thinking at that high level. Atheism kills mm -hmm. because without God, there's no rules. Anything goes. Atheists are at the forefront of efforts to try to legitimize abortion, euthanasia, uh, uh, drug taking, uh, prostitution, pornography, and promiscuity. All of these things cause misery, suffering, and death. Atheism is a philosophy of death. Yeah, now atheists love to point to atrocities committed by supposed Christians, uh, the Crusades and, and Northern right. Ireland are favorites. Yeah. Um, but if the people committing these terrible deeds were indeed Christians, yeah, if they were being inconsistent with their own standard of morality. Right. Do not murder, love your enemies. But Stalin, for example, was being consistent with his because being an atheist, after reading Darwin, he had no objective basis for any standard of morality. That's right. Yeah, Christianity says God is love. Love one another. Love your enemies. That kind of love is uh, it's self-sacrificing. And consequently, Christians have been at the forefront in helping the sick, looking after uh, orphans and the elderly and feeding the hungry, educating the poor, opposing exploitation through things like, like child labor and, and slavery, that kind of thing. Yeah, but atheism, with its uh, evolutionary foundation, says love is nothing more than self-interest in increasing the chances of our genes surviving in our offspring or our close relatives. Right. You know, in the struggle for survival of the fittest, uh, where's the basis for compassion? Yeah. And not only is atheism destructive, it's logically flawed at, at its very roots because there must be a creator, as we'll see. We just summarized some examples from history where atheists were in positions of leadership and acted consistently with the morality, or, or the lack of it, really, yeah. uh, that comes from a no-God religion and also the effects it had on society. Let's switch gears. Yes, uh, let's look at some biblical evidence for its divine author. Yes. The Bible, as well as proclaiming the existence of God, also bears witness that God exists because only divine inspiration can explain the existence of the most remarkable of books. We'll have a look at eight characteristics that point to divine authorship. Yes, okay. Number one is the Bible's amazing unity. Despite being penned by more than 40 authors, over 19 different walks of life and over some 1,600 years, the Bible is a consistent revelation from the beginning to the end. And here's just one example of, of many that we could mention. The first and last books of the Bible, Genesis and Revelation, dovetail so perfectly with the telling of, of paradise lost and paradise regained that it is powerful evidence for their divine authorship. Just compare the first two chapters of Genesis and the last two chapters of Revelation. That's right. You just can't explain the Bible if it was composed by committee or right. in the absence yeah. of divine intervention. Mm -hmm. The only thing that can explain the unity of Scripture across all 66 books in the Bible is the explanation that it gives about itself that no prophecy was ever uh, produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's right, yeah. Number two. The Bible's amazing preservation. In spite of political and religious persecution, the Bible remains. The Roman emperor Diocletian, following an edict in AD 303, thought he had destroyed every hated Bible. Uh, even built a, built a column over the ashes of, of, of a burnt Bible to celebrate his victory. 25 years later, the new emperor, Constantine, 
commissioned the production of 50 Bibles at the expense of the government. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, another example. In the 18th century, Voltaire forecasted that within a century, there would be no Bibles left on the earth. Uh, yeah. and now, another beautiful irony here. Uh, 50 years later, uh, after he died, uh, the Geneva Bible Society used his old printing press and his house to produce stacks of Bibles. <laughs> You know, today the Bible is available in far more languages than any other book. That's right, yeah. Uh, number three, the Bible's historical accuracy. Nelson Gluick, the famous Jewish archaeologist, spoke of what he called the almost incredibly, incredibly accurate historical memory of the Bible, and particularly so when it is fortified by archaeological fact. William F. Albright, who was widely recognized as one of the great archaeologists, stated the excessive skepticism shown toward the Bible by important historical schools of the 18th and 19th centuries, certain phases of which still appear periodically, has been progressively discredited. Discovery after discovery has established the accuracy of innumerable details and has brought increased recognition to the value of the Bible as a source of history. Mm. Amazing. Sir William Ramsey is considered uh, one of the greatest archaeologists ever. Now, he was trained in mid-19th century German historical skepticism, and so he didn't believe that the New Testament documents were historically reliable. Uh, but his archaeological discoveries drove him to see that his skepticism was unjustified, and he had a profound change of attitude. Yeah. You know, speaking of Luke, the writer of Luke and Acts, uh, Ramsey said, Luke is a historian of the first rank. He should be placed among with the greatest of historians. Yeah. At many specific points in archaeology, it confirms the Bible's accuracy. There have been many areas where skeptics have questioned the Bible's accuracy, usually on the basis of there being no other evidence outside the That's Bible. Right. That's the fallacy of arguing from silence. But archaeological discoveries continue to provide evidence for the accuracy of the biblical account. Mm -hmm. Now, number four, the Bible's scientific accuracy. You know, examples include that the earth is round, uh, the earth is suspended in space, with space without support, the stars are countless, uh, the hydrologic cycle, sea currents, living things re reproduce after their kind, mm -hmm. uh, many insights into health, hygiene, diet, physiology, uh, such as the importance of blood mentioned, uh, for example, in Leviticus 17.11. Um, the first and second laws of thermodynamics are described, it's sort of a non-scientific way, but yeah. in Isaiah 51.6. God communicates to us through a book, the Bible. So if you don't believe that God exists and you're looking for evidence that he does, a great place to begin is to examine the Bible. We're halfway through a list of eight features of Scripture that give evidence that the Bible is actually from God, not a man-made work. Let's continue right. with that list. Okay, so number five, the Bible's prophetic accuracy. The Bible states that the accurate foretelling of events is the domain of God. Uh, God said, I have foretold the former things from the beginning, and they went out of my mouth, and I made them hear. I acted suddenly, and they came about. I declared it to you from the beginning. Before it happened, I revealed it to you, lest you should say, my idol has done them, and my graven image and my molten image has commanded them. Yes, the Bible contains many specific prophecies. Josh McDowell documented 61 prophecies regarding Jesus alone. And many things, such as the, the place and time and the manner of his birth, his betrayal, uh, the, the manner of his death, his burial, and other prophecies were beyond Jesus' control. Yeah, and McDowell also thoroughly documents 12 detailed specific prophecies regarding the cities of 
uh, Tyre, Sidon, Samaria, Gaza, Ashkelon, Moab and Ammon, Petra, Edom, Thebes and Memphis, Nineveh, Babylon, uh, Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, Jerusalem and Palestine. That's quite a list there. Yeah. yeah. He shows how these prophecies, they weren't post-dictions, that is written after the event. Right. The probability of all these things coming to pass by chance is, is effectively zero. Uh, so there's, there's some powerful evidence that God exists. Uh, only the willfully ignorant, as, as 2 Peter 3.5 says, could deny the evidence that God must have inspired these prophecies. That's right. Okay, number six, the Bible's civilizing influence. Yes. Okay, the Bible's message elevated the blood-drinking barbarians of the British Isles to decency. Uh, it's the basis of English common law, uh, the American Bill of Rights, yeah. uh, the great democracy, such as the United Kingdom, United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, the Bible has inspired the noblest of literature from Shakespeare, Milton, Pope, Scott, Calderidge, Kipling, uh, to name a few, and the art of Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, Raphael, Rembrandt, and others. Um, and the Bible's inspired the exquisite music of Bach, Handel, Hayden, uh, Mendelssohn, Brahm. The classics. Yeah. Yep. The decline in the acceptance of a biblical worldview in the West has been parallel, paralleled by a decline in the beauty of art. Uh, but the message of the Bible still transforms lives today. Animistic tribal groups in the Philippines are still being delivered from fear. Former cannibals in Papua New Guinea and, and Fiji now live in peace, all because of the gospel. Okay, uh, number seven, the Bible's absolute honesty. Well, yeah. it's been said uh, that the Bible is not a book that man could write if he would or would write if he could. <laughs> The Bible doesn't honor man, but God. Uh, the people yeah. in the Bible have feet of clay. They're shown warts and all. Uh, but against uh, the backdrop of their sinfulness and uh, unfaithfulness, God's holiness and faithfulness shine through. Yeah. So even the heroes of the faith, uh, listed in Hebrews 11, have their failures recorded in, you know, including Noah, Moses, David, Elijah, Peter. That's right. Now, on the other hand, the enemies of God's people are often praised. For example, Artaxerxes, Darius the Mede, and Julius. Uh, these are strong indications that the Bible was not written from a human perspective. Okay, number eight, uh, the Bible's life-transforming message. You know, in San Francisco, a man once challenged Dr. Harry Ironside to debate on agnosticism versus Christianity. Yeah. Um, now, Dr. Ironside was a theologian, and he pastored Moody Church in Chicago from 1929 to 1948. Um, and he agreed on one condition, that the agnostic first provided evidence that agnosticism was beneficial enough to defend. <laughs> so Dr. Ironside challenged the agnostic to bring one man who had been uh, down and outer, a, a drunkard or a criminal, and one woman who had been trapped in, uh, in a degraded lifestyle like uh, prostitution, and show that both of these people had been rescued from their lives of degradation by embracing agnosticism. Okay, all right. Meanwhile, Dr. Ironside was preparing to bring a hundred men and women to the debate who'd been gloriously rescued through believing the gospel, and, and, and the, the gospel that the agnostic ridiculed. The skeptic canceled the debate. <laughs> The message of the Bible, the message of the gospel, men's lives broken by sin. Sin separates us from a holy creator. Uh, in contrast, agnosticism and atheism and all these anti-God philosophies destroy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there are eight characteristics of Scripture that point to the existence of God who wrote it. Yes. Okay, obviously we've, uh, not gone, we've gone through these very quickly, yeah. so just summarizing them really. So 
but every one of these points can be studied in much greater detail. Right, yes, and they have been. Yeah. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. There are many great books available for you to get up to speed on research already done. Uh, one of the books that impacted my life when I had questions like the one we're discussing today is the one that we referenced just a few minutes ago, Josh McDowell's classic, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And, and you can for sure pick up a copy on Amazon. Okay, let's add some more evidence for God's existence. Um, another area that we can examine is uh, when God became one of us. God is revealed in Jesus Christ. That's right. Yeah, the Bible says, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, Jesus fulfilled over 60 prophecies in the Old Testament, as we mentioned earlier. Um, he claimed to speak as God. Uh, he did things that only God can do, mm -hmm. like uh, raise yeah. the dead to life and calm the storms, forgive sins. Um, he claimed to send prophets and the Holy Spirit. Um, he accepted worship as God. He was not just a prophet or a good man. He was far more than that, and, and he said so, too. Yes, he did, yeah. The converted atheist, C.S. Lewis, who was, is most famous as the author of the Narnia Chronicles there, he said that there's really three options when it comes to who Jesus was. Either he was a liar, he's a lunatic, or he was Lord. He actually was God. His life and resurrection prove that he is indeed Lord. That's right. You know, no wonder that soon after his death, the New Testament authors recognized him as God the Creator. Yes. I mean, no one disputed that. Uh, you know, no one disputed that the tomb was empty where they put Jesus' body. Right, yeah. Um, all attempts to explain this, other than that he was resurrected from the dead, fail. Mm -hmm. uh, various people have set out to prove that the resurrection didn't happen using appropriate historical or legal methods, uh, but they ended up coming to faith in Christ as Lord. That's right, yeah. Um, years ago, I read a book by Frank Morrison, an atheist lawyer, and the title of the book is, Who Moved the Stone? Now, that's an intriguing question, yeah. right? The stone in front of the tomb, was it the Romans? Was it the Pharisees? Was it the Jews? Was it the disciples? He worked through all the options and concluded that the only option that fits the historical details is the reason given there in the Bible that an angel moved the stone. Right. And so, so his attempt to debunk the resurrection ended with him becoming a Christian. Uh, Jesus' resurrection provides powerful evidence for God. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and there's more. Jesus' influence uh, on the world has been profound yes. uh, for both individuals and for society. Yep. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, many have testified to a life-transforming tra encounter with the risen Christ. Mm -hmm. um, consider John Newton, the former slave trader. Um, he had his life turned around when he ended up writing uh, the hymn Amazing Grace. Yeah. Um, and he also uh, encouraged William Wilberforce in his quest to abolish slavery. That's right, yep. Faith in Christ has transformed society. The concept of the sanctity of life, that we're, we're all made in the image of God, ended the barbaric practices like the Roman games, infant exposure, euthanasia of the weak or disabled or old. It was at the forefront of establishing literacy and education for the common man. Charity and benevolence, think of the, the parable of the Good Samaritan there. Civil society. The Bible says, love your enemies, right? Representative parliamentary democracy with a balance of powers. Why? Because of the fallenness of man. Legal protection, that multiple witnesses are needed, according to Deuteronomy 19 and 2 Corinthians 13. Beautiful art and music, the elevation of women, 
universities, hospitals, orphanages, and much more. Yes, uh, even modern science arose out of Christian thinking. Right. Now that might shock some people, uh, but even <laughs> non-Christian historians, historians of science recognize that. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a show on that last year, which you can watch at creation.com slash cml6-03. Yeah, much of the content for this week's show came from a chapter in the Creation Answers book titled, Does God Exist? Now we're not going to be able to cover everything in that chapter in the time that we have left here, but that's one of those, it's one of those, those must-read books for Christians, right. I think. yeah, especially for new believers. Yes, yep. You know, it has answers to more than 60 of the most asked questions. Uh, it's our most popular book, likely for that reason, uh, because it covers a huge range of topics. It's a great faith-building, faith-growing resource. That's right. Now, we're running out of time, but there's so much more evidence for God. That's right, yeah. Uh, the Creation Answers book goes into more details, but we could just mention a few of them here quickly. Natural law. That's the universal tendency for all systems of matter and energy to run down. Available energy is dissipated, order is lost. Without either a programmed mechanism or intelligent action, even open systems will tend from order to disorder, from information to non-information, and towards less available energy. Yes, yeah, so the universe had to be wound up at the beginning, and it cannot right. have um, existed eternally. Uh, it requires an agent outside the universe to wind it up, just like a clock can't wind itself. So natural law points to a creator God. That's right. Another one, living things. Observed changes in living things head in the wrong direction to support evolution, from, from protozoan to man, macroevolution. Scientists can see that the direction in all life is heading toward extinction, not evolution. Life must have been created. Another evidence for God is the fossils. Uh, although Darwin expected millions of transitional fossils to be found, um, they haven't been found. Yeah. Uh, only a small number of disputable ones. Uh, no transitional forms means living things were created by God. That's it right. It didn't evolve. Yep. And the Creation Answers book goes on to list other areas of evidence in more detail. Now, what's the best evidence for God's existence? <laughs> well, the best evidence is that a Christian knows God. Yes, yeah. You know, to one who's a genuine Christian, there's no doubt about God's existence because you, uh, if you're a Christian, um, you have examples of where God is working in your life. Right, yeah. Now, that's not objective evidence. It's subjective. It's not evidence that's going to convince others. It's a personal evidence that confirms and solidifies the faith of the one who already believes. And it is the most powerful evidence. <laughs> that's right. And the Bible uh, describes this in Romans 8, 14, 16. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Bible here says that Christians have a personal relationship with God. This is the testimony of those who've realized their sinfulness in sight of an almighty God and the dire consequences of their sin. They've repented of their sin. They've accepted the forgiveness of God that's made possible through Jesus' death and resurrection. Yes, all genuine Christians have assurance that they are children of God. Mm -hmm. uh, and they can know that they have eternal life. As 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Yes, and that's all the, all the time we have on the show today. But I uh, hope that was encouraging. Lots of evidence for God's existence. We'll see you next week. Creation Magazine Live is a production of Creation Ministries International, the publisher of Creation Magazine and the minds behind creation.com. If you want to chip in to support our ministry, go to creation.com slash donate. And thanks for listening.